Well, you know, you remember a couple of years ago, there was a whole ethics and tech thing, kind of a yeah. hard thing going on. Now, I think there's still some sort of ethics and tech discussion every now and then. But I think uh, a lot of the news from this week that I think we could focus on, we got a lot of IPOs coming up and uh, that are planned, I guess. We got the Palantir, the the sort of, you notice that guy cut his hair? He used to have an awesome, like, uh, white guy fro. Uh, but he's he's a little more uh, shaped up there. We got JFrog. I think they're going to have an IPO. Asana. Remember those guys? I you know that that's that's fun. And then uh, you got Snowflake. You got these other people. Unity. I don't even really know who that is. Um, and then Redis got some money. So so to get back to the ethics thing, like I thought the world was burning and it was in crisis. And, <laughs> and it's a little it's a little troubling here. I went I went and checked on my you know my index fund stuff that 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 seems to be doing fine so i i don't know it's it's very confusing and now i can see that palantir it's basically like you know software for i don't know applying machine intelligence to search large troves of data for spies and shit or whatever like <laughs> i'm sure that makes lots of money and now JFrog, they have a container and they acquired not a container. They have a registry thing and they acquired some other uh, companies, kind of like a um, it's an a artifact type of thing. Yeah, artifact yeah. repository. And uh, so, sure, I guess. I mean, I guess I'm talking myself into all of these things. Well, Kote, uh, why, why don't we do this? Why, can we do a quick like? Uh, let's do a little uh, lightning round of uh, buy sell. So, so mm-hmm. Palantir. Mm-hmm. If the the, the iBankers show up, they're like, they, hey, how much you in on the, what kind of allocation you want? How much you in on? Are you, are you buying or selling or doing nothing with Palantir? Me? Yeah. Oh, this is a good question. I think I think uh, I think I think I'm 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 going to uh, I'm going to buy into it. Gonna I think it's going to be okay. good. Well, yeah. make sure to read. Um, I'll give uh, full credit here. Mike Isaac has screenshotted the uh, part of the S one in. Oh, I saw that. Their, their is culture quite, is is amazing. It is quite yeah. the. Um, it's not even a long read here, so I'll just let people you know go go do it. But you should definitely just read it. I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it's kind so, of intense. So here's here's my reasoning, which is very. Uh, I don't know if it's mercenary, Machiavellian, or just asshole-y. or just good investment. I get you. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but it's just like all Google, Microsoft, all the other companies are like not selling to uh, offensive U.S. institutions, offensive to people they want to hire in like their communities so that, you know, they don't do the facial recognition and all of that. So I think Oracle's still cool with it. That's fine. But I don't think they have <laughs> I don't think Oracle has like an AI or ML thing. And I know, you know, Cisco, all the other ones don't. Right. So there's basically like one company left that if you like your job involves a gun or spying on people. Uh, that like you're gonna go to to like do oh, big, not, big data stuff. So like, <laughs> wouldn't it all funnel down there? Now, on the other hand, it appears that they are losing half a billion dollars or around that amount. Uh, but you know that's never been a problem. All right, so let's uh, just summarize for, for, now. Like you're saying, a captive market for market not being served by others for reasons you just laid out. So therefore, you get in there, you buy some because it's just not not gonna have as much competition, right? Seems like a reasonable yeah. investment thesis. Yeah. And you know me, I'm always looking to uh, achieve like uh, just enough success so I can cash out and not try. So I, I, you know, (laughs) I'm going to, I want to leave that early. All right. Well, hold on. Matt Red, buy, sell, buy, sell, do nothing. Where where are you going? Uh, Well, you know, there's, there's the, the concept of what is it? The, the vice index funds. And Mm -hmm. so I would probably put, you You need to find that, right? Is that like the ethically, uh, like, ethically challenged investments. Yes. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Vice, doesn't well, Vice say something like that? I guess it's well. It's just go ahead. It's just the idea. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, it, you know, there there are there are funds you can invest in that are like alcohol, tobacco, guns, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I throw them in there with Halliburton and uh, um, you know, probably oil companies. There are there are certain there are funds set up for everything and. Uh, Probably the returns on Palantir will be pretty good uh, just because, you know, there are people willing to, you know, there's definitely a market to buy that stuff, as we've seen. Um, I, you know, I've got a friend who works in IT for a, uh, a, a police organization. And, oh, man, you talk about the dark side of enterprise sales. <laughs> I mean, pretty much anything, any dystopian thing that you think 
you know, you've seen in like a Philip K. Dick movie or whatever, where they're like, you know, hey, now facial recognition for your, you know, beat up convicts. It's like, yeah, somebody's selling that. <laughs> and, um, you know, there are, and, and, and the sheriff's, sorry, uh, the, um, <laughs> uh, there's always an eager audience to buy it. those All things. right, so I like yes. this. I'm going to summarize this as it goes in our vice fund uh, allocation. It's obviously not going to be in our, uh, what they call the ESG, environmental social and corporate governance. No, we're not, that mm. is not, it's not going in that basket. We'll have to see no. if, uh, we'll have to find some other ones for that. All right. I like that. Okay. Now what about J frog? This is this kind of in our wheelhouse. I actually used J frog like 15 years ago. Coach, I start with you buy, sell or do nothing with J frog. You know, you know, I think despite widespread, widespread use, there's, there's so much like uh, variability and I don't want to use this word cause it means something in this world. There's just like, it's very volatile. Like, what's popular, what's not, the revenue model, like that thing, you know, it could be great, right? But on the other hand, it could not be great, right? Like, and, and it could have nothing to do with the technology and just be like, all of a sudden, Google could just decide to like do it for free and then you're dead, right? right? And yeah, so like- But they have, it's, right? It, it, like, they got that, yeah, know, they do have that dude. All right, well, hold on, Matt Ray. Right. Okay, so Matt Ray, you going the other way? So Cote says it's out. I, I, this is- um, Having having been you know out in the field and seen a lot of uh, uh, artifactory sales um, happen, and uh, you know they're selling something that the free version works really great. Uh, there are free hosted solutions, and yet once you get enterprises on that hook of this is where you store your bits, that is the the flyest of flywheels. Okay. All right, Matt <laughs> Ray, Matt Ray, contrarian take. Digging that thing out. Is that all they sell? Is a registry? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's artifact hosting, right? So your, your, you know, your RPMs, your devs, your gems, your, uh, oh. your Docker instances, and then they sell some tools to do some scanning of those things. And they keep, you yeah, know, building up yeah. around the, the periphery of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, you know, their competition is, you know, GitHub is getting into that market. I'm sure GitLab yeah. is too, mm-hmm. you know, but the thing is like their pricing is, it's just low enough that enterprises are like, okay, you know, yeah, and, okay. and, and then they're fair. like, I think, I think I, I, I stand by my analysis and it's more based as, as they say, it's, it's about me rather than them. Right. Well, right? It does, it's uh, just like, it is a there's software a, there's a development lot of options there. It is a software development tools company. Tools is always a scary word, but I like it. Matt Ray, it is, Matt it Ray is. always in the corner. Of the small tool vendor, I like it, man. All right, let's move well, on here. The, the problem is they're, they're probably going to make money, but is it you know public right. market money where they're happy to see that? Matt, right, I don't, don't back know. away from it. You're in. You're in for the allocation. I already got you on the list. I'm already uh, talking to the iBaker. Yeah. All right, Asana. We'll start with you, Matt. Asana, buy, sell, do nothing. What are you uh, do there? Uh, probably do nothing. That one. Um, I tried to use it for a brief two weeks, and it just. Closed the tab and never went back. All right, Cote <laughs> Asana buy sell do nothing. Now that's like a, a team project management to do list thing, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I I do nothing. All right. I, I'm gonna I, go. I I'm gonna go all the way. I'm gonna actually say you maybe would even if you could like short this one. Right. This one feels like it's got the big uh, um, Facebook former Facebook employee billionaire CEO. Like I have tried, I had the same experience you just had. I tried it a while back. I just never felt like it actually helped anything. It has that kind of base camp kind of feel like you do it for a while and maybe some people like it, but it's so easy to just move on from. So I, I'm thinking this one could be a little overvalued. So we'll see. Well, let, let me, let me, let me add a footnote of analysis here. I have been uh, delving into the Microsoft tool chain of things. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think I think what's going on there is that their tools are slightly more than efficient. They're Prairie Home Companion tools, right? Or you know, sufficient. Like I think they actually all work pretty well. And it's just a matter of like knowing how to use them and uh, getting over the uh, the Microsoft thing. But like uh, they do everything, and it all integrates together. So like mm-hmm. you know that experience you have. This is this is kind of like giving away my uh, planned recommendation here. But you know that that experience you have where you're like using some new cool tool and you're like, it just doesn't really work well with anything else. And, and you know, it, it's frustrating. Whereas like you go into the Microsoft collaborative thing and like everything works with itself. And so it's just like, I don't, it's, 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 that's it's just, you know, 
that's how teams is right you know it's not very good yeah, it's not yeah. better than the other stuff but it's good enough i i still have not put the the mental capacity into figuring out what teams is i don't i don't understand i've tried to use their video conferencing stuff and it's really maybe i haven't selected the right options and preferences but my review so far is really bad until uh, you is, set the here quick teams recognition until you set the you have to go in there and preferences and you have to set up so that the the meetings pop out in their own window until you do that uh, the thing is almost it's so befuddling confusing but as soon yeah. as you make that switch it's like oh this is just this is fine it just immediately goes right, to right, status right. quo web messaging or uh, web oh, okay, software okay that's a that's a good tip because i've used it a few times and i just feel like why is this so fucking hard? Yeah, so right? it's like, like uh, we, it's Apple. It's like file preferences, and then you got it. It's like even it has some weird name, but like if you get on once you do it, oh, it's magical. See, and this is this is my point. Is in this area, just once the product manager decides to make that the default setting, it's going to kill off several companies, and it'll you know it's uh, that talk about your uh, antitrust stuff. They should make it so that you can't enable that by default, and then things will be fine. No, no I'm not going back. You'll never take away that checkbox from me. I'll, I'll, <laughs> from my cold, dead, dead hands, will you take that preference off? No, that, that checkbox is there for like, you know, some bank with 100,000 seats. I like, can't change it. Citibank wanted it. It's, uh, it's just uh. all right. All right, moving on here. Let's make sure we get through them all. Snowflake. Uh, which is, I, it's basically says it's taking on Amazon and Microsoft in the cloud database mar- market. All right, Cote, buy, sell, do nothing. Which well, according to, according to CNBC, this is one of the most anticipated IPOs, you know, in addition to Airbnb or something. I don't know anything about them, so I just move on. I, I, Airbnb? You know, I, I, have, oh, I, have, I have seen, you know, there's a bunch of like storage companies that come up every now and then, like that are always like doing well. And I don't know anything about storage, so I'm I'm too ignorant of it. Does it work for EMC? No, no, <laughs> Dell Technologies, not right. At one point, I, in a roundabout way, I worked for EMC, but not uh, not directly. Don't know about storage. All right, Matt Ray, you got an opinion here? I'm reading through that MSCNBC article. <laughs> <laughs> I do think what you uh, said, the play, I think your initial thing is like, I don't know if it comes out strong. But I think the floor here is it gets bought at a certain price. It would be mm. attractive. So you could kind of take a wait and see approach. You could say, well, depending on valuation, maybe it becomes a, an attractive acquisition target. I mean, it, it just seems like if they're extracting enough rent, you know, if, if they're getting enough pay from their customers who wake up someday and they're like, wait a second, we're using this on top of AWS. Right. You know, can we stop cutting those guys a three million dollar check? Oh, what's the you know, how, how much does it cost to get us off? Five hundred thousand. Done. Right. The, 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 the problem with being a SaaS when you have cloud competition is there's an upper bound to, you know, how hard can it be for AWS to come in and say, look, we'll give you free PS. Mm. Right. That that is a, a real risk. You know, so as soon as you are, you know, the largest Snowflake customer on Azure, you know, you are now in the sights of Azure's PS team who wants to, you know, hit their their quarter. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's up to the biz dev to, like, make sure that that doesn't happen um, on both sides. <laughs> All right. You, but so you're it's in. A, it's hard, you in? It's a hard path. All right, I'm just going to give. I'm going to. I, get... I, I, I'm, I am a short term. I am a short to medium term investor. I, I would be in for like two years. Okay, so mm. just I'm crowdsourcing some other recommendations from the the SD, uh, SDT uh, Twitch TV chat here, where you can go to uh, go to Twitch, search for Software Defined Talk. If you want to join us live, you can do it. Uh, but they're saying people are people are pretty uh, happy on it all day. Buy all day. People people believe in it. So maybe maybe we need to take a closer look. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of. I don't know. I'm kind of more on the Cote. It's like, I don't think I would do anything. Or if I did anything, I'd just kind of watch and see if it actually got um, some type of acquisition rumors going around it. All right. But this well, is, this is our, years, right. It gives me time to get out like, like yeah. a cloud era. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we just buy some, uh, some call options. Like we, we go to the next level. We, you know, we get in with our, uh, our stock market. All right. Well, as the number one uh, gaming uh, podcast that talks about DevOps in, in Costco, this is definitely our wheelhouse right here. Unity. Unity's IPO filing. 
All right, Matt, you in all in on Unity? You believer of Unreal Engine? Uh, or sorry, no, not of Unreal Engine, of the competitor of Unreal Engine. Gosh, no, you, you had me. I was about I'm to sorry. say yes until like, wait, they're not the Unreal Engine. <laughs> no, yes? no, no, the other one. Um, I, I'm buying. You're buying. I'm buying game companies right now. Um, you know this uh, COVID thing has been really good on the uh, the gaming stocks. Um, it's you know they even if they just kind of keep you know moving at their their current pace and not you know ex- breaking out even some of the like not very good gaming companies are doing well mm. yeah <laughs> this one i think if we are like maximizing if we're sitting with our uh our investment bankers we're like we want the full allocation we don't care what the price is like i'm i'm all in here on unity i'm just this seems like the perfect time the fact that uh epic and is having so many you know it's fighting with everybody unity just seems to be quietly standing over there doing doing their work and you know and of course everyone loves games and that's since no one can travel anymore i mean it seems just a great time to buy this all right coach is that what roblox runs on um i don't that's a good question i don't know what are you gonna buy are are you in if it uh if here's 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 what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna take some of my summer interns and i'm gonna be like uh you know subscription-based businesses seem cool and so like i feel like i will be able to see the blood work of this company and we'll be able to make some decisions about it can you verify this theory that we would we could come up with a way of monitoring if things are cool or not and then uh yeah sure gaming company i think maybe it just would be nice and transparent uh if uh, if it was good or not so you'd want to allocate some stuff there uh i think is what now have we disclosed that this is not financial investing advice or whatever? <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we, uh, I feel like anytime you turn on this podcast, you know that, but I think we should officially say, don't, yeah. don't, don't do anything that we recommended in any way or, or take it as actual real advice and a quick, uh, search here of Wikipedia. It looks like roadblocks is its own proprietary engine unless i'm uh, missing oh. it so uh this has got to drive the sales teams at, at those companies I'm, crazy where they're like they just keep building their own stuff i don't understand why I'm they're trying, doing diy it feels like that we, should be we've wrong. done the business cases with them yeah. multiple times that they you know shouldn't they be focused on the game dynamics instead of the infrastructure and that's uh you know they're going to increase productivity <laughs> you know, maybe they could they could fucking do some like uh, rounded corners on their characters instead of this oh. constant blocks. I don't know. I don't know why they're doing that. This is probably why the salespeople aren't successful because they're not <laughs> believers in it. Do you do you think do you think if you're like a salesperson selling to those companies, you have to like play? And when you sign in, they make you put your car's license plate and also like your Roblox ID so that they can check in on you, see how you're doing. Because, you know, how how could you sell cold storage to these companies if you're not, like, building pixels in them? <laughs> All right, I just want to, give my, I just want to make whatever. sure. Here's the official answer. Uh, the, it's called the Reality Engine, and it, it is their own. So it says, the Roblox Reality Engine is the core of the Roblox virtual experience. It is a proprietary, high-performance, cross-platform, real-time simulation that dynamically scales <laughs> fidelity to match device capabilities. Whew, man. That is some mean copy for a gaming company. Quit I don't want. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm ready to buy. No, was that a was that a was that the new CNCF definition of Kubernetes that you were just <laughs> no, reading? Man, that was crazy. They had fidelity in there. So uh, yeah, no, but I, I well, I think you were asking about uh, Roblox. I my my son loves it. I think Roblox is you know I guess if you, I guess you have you probably know nothing about it. Unless you have a child, children between the ages of what, like five and thirteen, probably, because yeah. uh, it's I don't know, it's just taken over that group of people. Now we we got we got we got them with the neighbor kids to do some chores for us with Cormac, and mm-hmm. then we were supposed to give him five euros for doing this chore, but like unless we sell up some t-shirt selling racket, there's no way to actually give money to people, mm-hmm. which is just sort of like shocking. Like you can't even go buy like. Yeah some card at the inner toys with some good so you're talking on it about the Roblox, right? Like giving them Roblox. Pay, you're yeah. paying them real cash and, is what you're trying to do. Right. And then I got to get a, got to get a 30% of that. I got to get a $5 a month, uh, uh, subscription or something. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's very complicated. Okay. Well, That's no, no. I mean, I, listen, I, my, I, I do think it is, uh, cause there was another currency that predated Robux and Roblox. Um, but I think things went bad. And so they had to, 
<laughs> so they had to like just I mean it's like a real economy. They had to like basically get rid of one uh a currency and then start another one. So is 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 there some like is there some sort of like IRS problem why they don't just say like dollars? I think it's gambling. I think cuz um there was a problem where I don't know if it was this one, but there was a problem where if you can convert to real money, the problem happens is that it, it becomes a very easy way for people that want to gamble and stuff to start trading, essentially, you know, using the game to, tr- you know, if you will, exchange money. And that is uh, a problem where, IRS, I mean, just lots of things, IRS, um, gaming Yeah, especially if you can, if you can uh, cash out, then you could start laundering money in there. Yeah. And then that, that, would, that would be, uh, I don't know, I understand that's a problem, the, the money laundering. You don't want to do that. That's not not good, you know. But however, if Palantir becomes successful, you would probably be able to find these people easily and uh, make Roblox pure. I think is 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 what you would be searching for. This episode is sponsored by CloudBees. CloudBees wants to invite you to attend their DevOps World Conference coming this September. It's a free virtual event with no jet lag and none of those disappearing conference coffee pots. At the conference, you will get to hear a talk on Cote's favorite topic, CI/CD at scale. You'll be able to attend sessions on DevSecOps, Chaos Engineering, AI and Machine Learning, and some new mystery three-letter acronyms that are totally not made up, like Software Delivery Automation, SDA, and Software Delivery Management, SDM. There's also a leadership track for those interested. And of course, open source and DevOps practitioners will be well represented. You'll even get to hear a talk from the ever-popular Kelsey Hightower, who never disappoints. To sign up for the free conference, go to www.cloudbees.com slash devops-world. Again, that's www.cloudbees.com slash devops-world. Finally, I want you to do me a favor and help make CloudBees co-founder Michael Neal happy by checking out cloudbees.com. Remember, the CloudBees motto is build stuff that matters, CICD, feature management, and build acceleration. And if you want to know more, you can find Michael Neal in the Software Defined Talk Slack. Reach out, and he'll be happy to answer your questions. And, of course, we thank CloudBees and Michael for sponsoring our show. While we're on the, uh, the inane topics here. Uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's our bread and butter. So, so I did, you know, following up on our, our TikTok commentary. Now, I haven't, I haven't read this, but from the headlines, which are always accurate, it looks like maybe Oracle is not contending. Maybe that was last week. I'm sure... Their eye bankers are still involved there, but it looks like maybe Walmart is co-bidding with Microsoft. Uh, I, I didn't actually go read that story, but it was, maybe, it maybe, was astonishing. Maybe Oracle's children made them stop. They're like, Dad, that's so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Let's go play some tennis instead. Yeah, but boy, that would be a hoot if uh, if if Walmart and Microsoft got involved in that. I still think you know, and then maybe we could have TikTok for business. That that might be enjoyable, oh. right? Well, I actually they they the, can hide it in, in team somewhere. <laughs> I actually thought the interesting part of the TikTok thing was, um, I guess, Kevin Mayer, the former executive at Disney. He was the CEO. He lasted 90 days, and he, and he resigned. So he posted his letter um, to employees out there. And I think it makes sense. I mean, I, you know, without kind of getting into, like, whatever what he was told personally, but it's uh, just the idea was, you know, he didn't sign up for this and that, you know, he wanted to run a global company and – with the impending divestiture, you know, it's not what he signed up for, didn't want. Fine. I think, you know, hey, more power to him. But I just thought to myself, like, how many people in the world have experienced this where <laughs> you're 90 days into a job and you're like, huh, not totally sure this is what I signed up for in the interview, right? And uh, and I think it's, I don't know, so maybe it's healthy that you just, you just quit and left, but it just feels like, I don't know, for the rank and file person, if you do that, people are like, ooh, like, that's like, why did you leave after 90 days? Like what happened? Right. It, whereas, yeah. um, I feel like that does happen <laughs> well, but, quite a bit it, where, uh, uh, you get into a job and you're like, I'm not totally sure this is what I signed up for. I think, I think also so, as the CEO, like whenever some acquisition stuff is going on, you're well positioned to just like make some money. And so it's also like some, some odd thing that you would, uh, you know, I guess six months, but you know, you would make sure that the terms had some accelerators in there or whatever for uh, for your equity, and that your well, golden handcuffs. Maybe the, maybe the accelerators, owners. maybe the accelerators were messed up. Where like, you know, uh, if they divest, you know, America, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, I think that's what's being pushed out. You know, or he, so maybe, maybe he's 
he's gonna go work at what's that short video company called Quibi? <laughs> Quibi with, replace with Meg the, Whitman. Yeah, they're gonna be like this guy does <laughs> short form. He knows he knows what's but, going all right, but on. But what you're here. touching on, I think, is the I think the more interesting thing. So is that maybe the real story here? Was he the acquisition? However, it's gonna go down. It wasn't going to be. Fi- financially uh, lucrative for him or maybe you know the people that run run it just said hey you know you're only been here 90 days we're not giving you this big golden parachute we'll let you go we'll let you leave and you know and you can just say it wasn't what you signed up for because frankly it's probably true and and then just and everyone like leaves happy like that like that to me kind of feels like the more like the real story to it in my opinion that Mm -hmm. that probably Mm -hmm. is and then that also probably means that you know this is fate accompli it's done yeah, right. well, I think the twenty seventh, like today, like the, the the speculation was the deal will be announced either you know we're uh, recording here on the twenty seventh, like today or in the next few days because that's when the when the quote original deadline was set. So we'll see what happens, mm-hmm. but that seems to be why people you know he, he basically knows the deal, what the terms of the deal are, and they're just giving him a, a way to leave without really getting any money uh, and letting him move on real you know quietly is my my take. Mm. That makes sense. But don't you, well, I don't know, you know do you think the CEO at, at all do you think that you know cuz so many companies that you work at I mean there's there's a feeling like I've been in many all hands where they like want everyone all in you've got a you know the company's accepting some type of challenge or experiencing some challenge we want everyone to kind of fight through it and like we've got to buckle down and it's just there is part of me that just just rings extremely hollow to see someone leave after just I mean just 90 days right and I, I don't know what he, he said at his all hands meetings but it's it feels especially bad to me when it's the absolutely the CEO of the company. Yeah. 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 That is kind of odd. Well, you know, uh, the culture is what makes a company unique and, uh, part, part of what's valuable to it. So you got to make sure you have uh, a good one in position there. You know, are you, are, are you quoting the Palantir prospectus again? Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I have, I have a new, uh, I forget what my last one is, but a new just internal check for how, how the culture of your company is. Now, I had I was curious about salary bans recently and oh all that gosh, stuff. So don't, I don't oh my gosh, don't look hotel. So I, I tried to I tried to go look up like what my salary band was and oh, what other this ones never were. ends well. Never ends well. And I, I kind of don't know. And and I think I remember when I was at a previous company, it was only managers who could look that up, maybe instead of regular employees. But I think that's a good way you can check in on what's going on as far as how your company thinks about you is is uh, how long it takes you to find what salary band information is and where you're positioned in it. And I was just imagining, like, you know, ho- hopefully you won't come to this anytime soon, but when I'm sort of negotiating some other job, I should just ask for the spreadsheet of salary bands before I uh, do some negotiation about pay. That would be thrilling just to be like, yeah, well, what's the salary band for this? And I, you know, it'd be fun to just record the HR answers because I'm sure they're just like, like, what was the, um, it would be like the Unity in, in uh, the Unity Engine copy you were reading. <laughs> it would just be just a bunch of like, like you, in this band, we expect synergy. Yeah. Just, just do it. <laughs> just to once again, use one of my, well, my only favorite Chris Merrick uh, quote, you know, I read that three times and I'm still not sure if it's in English. <laughs> I think I think is what uh, what the HR reply would look like. But I feel like on salary yeah. bands, I feel like I've kind of gone full circle. At one point, I was like, "Yeah, like it should just all be public. Make it easy. Like, why do we care?" Now I feel like it, no happiness has ever been uh, achieved by uh, achieving finally looking at the salary bands. It's just like it it just brings nothing but pain to everyone. So it's kind yeah, of yeah. like just try to like ask. Like, so this is always my <laughs> my job uh, job negotiating advice is just at like. Think of um, the highest possible number that you think you could possibly get from a company and just ask for that. And then just when they say no, you're like, okay, well, I found the limit, right? And then you just say, well, okay, well, what can you do? Um, Like, that's just better. That just seems like the better way to do it because then you're just like, well, well, you know, fine, I'm good. Yeah. I saw I saw a, a thread where folks were talking about salary bands and, and, you know, pay scales and how, you know, you have to become a director or, you know, like a lot of development ones kind of cap out and you have to be a director to get above, you know, I think they said like 200,000 or something. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I learned when I was interviewing lots of people is people don't understand how pay works. And here, here's a pro tip to everyone listening right now, mm-hmm. sales, 
they make the most money. <laughs> um, so if you think, how can I make more money? You need to get closer to the contracts. You need to have accelerators based off of your customer contracts. Because um, I, you know, I see people talking about like, oh, software developers make this much money. You know who makes more money? The sales architects. Yeah. So if you ever think, oh, I'd like to make more money, sadly, you need to go work in sales. Oh, boy, what a rough job that would be. Well, I'm just saying. And and uh, another pro tip um, is customer success is also sales. Oh, customer success. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, it's true. Like if, if, you, uh, if you are provably responsible for uh, revenue coming in. Then, exactly. You know, yeah, that's a lot better than sort of like, you know, we've we've entered uh, hashtags into the system. That's that's going to pan out better, I think. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, you know, I was just, you know, you're just like a developer, right? And you worked on some feature, some new feature to, that, that strips in your software. And no one can be like, oh, that generated two million in revenue. Right. And so it's it's hard to uh, get attribution for uh, your efforts. As always, when failure occurs. People know who to blame for that. That's that's always uh, good to chase down. Yeah, good old salary bans. I, you know, who knows? That's that's the HR reply. <laughs> that that should, you know, what I think. I think if, there could be if, a. If your HR says, "Who knows?" That is distressing. <laughs> I think I think there could be a lot more efficiency in uh, human resource management or whatever that you want to call it. If if the default answer. Uh, you know, kind of just the answer that HR gave you was just always an email that just said no. If that was just like, don't explain anything, just say no. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's that's how we're going to operate. <laughs> Put that in your Gmail templates there. Mm. Well, there's some other exciting uh, news that's been occurring. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's mostly just hijinks at the moment. Uh, yeah, not. Not that much Kubernetes stuff. There was a good article uh, about about some consulting person writing up. Uh, we don't it, always have to talk about Kubernetes. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> like, but, sorry for getting away from Kubernetes and Costco, but you know, that, but it's 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 uh, always on people's top of mind, as it were. But uh, I, you know, and 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 uh, I don't have a defense. I'm just looking at what the links are, Matt Ray, and I'm reading them out loud. Uh, <laughs> But there's a few nice articles in there in the show notes you can go look at and contemplate. I think I think um, I found one earlier this week that I uh, made a little link on on my blog, and it was fun. It was uh, uh, 67 weeks of a conference going on, uh, and I think this week they have application modernization, which I think Richard Soroder, who you've interviewed, Brandon, is involved in that, as I recall. Absolutely. Yep. All things Anthony. Good episode. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, I think what was interesting in this little article is that there there was much talk of consultative services needed to uh, move your applications around. So I look forward to the Google consultative services and or partners. I'm sure they have a lot. Well, I know they have a lot of customer success people. So that's that's uh, fun to see that that business evolve. Well, I know, Kote, where do you stand? Have we? What's the definitive take on multi-cloud? You believer, not a believer? unknown like cause that's the big thing around anthos like i will say mm. i for my job for the, the day job we did a proof of concept and we did fire up some uh some servers on uh, aws and on gcp managed it all with anthos so i was like you know i felt uh i didn't do any of the work of course the team did it so but i was like when i saw it i was like okay i get it i can see why this makes sense and i know you know tanzu uh it's, it's gonna have something similar so um but I'm still waiting for, you know, the clients, I guess, the, the customers and the clients. I think they're still all trying to, like, process it, too. Like, does it make sense? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, like, very, you know, the technology is definitely starting to fill out. So I think what once I thought was, like, ah, it'll never work, it actually works. So that's check checkbox one. And check two is, like, okay, do the customers, does the demand start rolling in? I don't know. That's the part I'm just, I'm, I just don't know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as far as, like, uh, compatibility, and as Simon Phipps used to call it, the freedom to leave. Then you know, I think that's kind of what you're shooting for, right? Is you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be like stuck on something, and yeah. and it's a, it's especially germane when you're thinking of a, a a large shift to apparently Matt Ray's favorite topic, Kubernetes. Like you're you're shifting from one platform to the other uh -huh. because usually the reason you're shifting is you think your old platform sucks, and you're like, fuck this thing, I want to move to something new. 
And so you have fresh in your mind this idea of how difficult and costly it is to like move from an old thing to a new thing. So you're trying to minimize that in the future. Yes. And, and I think I think like you're always every five years where you go through a cycle, you're always trying to have as much like I wanted to say openness, but just like future compatibility as possible, right? Like it, to put it another thing, if you were considering doing programming languages for some new project and you picked like number 43 on the Red Monk programming index, you would probably be like, mm, no, right? Like you would want to pick something that has like more that's going to like be around in three to four years you can hire around that has this kind of broad compatibility and isn't some weird exotic thing uh, that you're doing that you know you don't necessarily want a data center of the future you want just like a data center that's going to work in the future is is more of what you're going for so and you know i think the the phrase multi-cloud is just it's it's uh it's sort of too confusing and to your point it kind of begs the question like what does that mean and then and then the last thing is always like, well, of course, you know, there's also the database. So <laughs> yeah, so that's all better. <laughs> but I do think <laughs> well, it, that's... this is what we've seen play out so many times. Like this idea of the, you know, it's the race to be the manager of managers. So like everyone wants to be on top, oh, yes. and while everyone else wants to be, while everyone else is trying yeah. to commoditize what you're doing. So yeah, what I thought, like, I guess, just yeah. just taking Anthos yeah. as an example, like, oh, I see. It's like okay, when it's all set up. Like you can, if you will, you can look at the other cloud vendors as um, just basically infrastructure. Like, hey, where's a good place for me to, to spin up servers? So that's a cost efficient or easy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. you kind of marginalize them. And then, of course, you know, Microsoft has Azure Arc, similar, right? Same idea, right? They're the manager of managers. And then you just look at these other cloud. So it's kind of this constant like um, and of course, we've seen this so many times in systems management. It's always like. You're monitoring, you build a dashboard, but then someone builds a tool yeah, on top yeah. of you to be the dashboard. And then at some point it is cyclical, right? And it's like, well, wait so, a minute, no one's really in charge. So I just think it's interesting <laughs> to see how it's kind of playing out the same way. And I don't really know where it's going to go, right, but I just right. see it kind of happening again. Well, so, maybe, so you know, I, I was... prediction for reInvent is they, where's, where's Amazon's Anthos? Where's Amazon's Arc? Yeah, I, I think I think my focus was way too narrow, especially proportionate to how much I talked and replied to multi-cloud. <laughs> and I was just focusing on more of like the runtime environment in the language, whereas you raise up what I think is the more pertinent and whatever multi-cloud thing, which is just as you as you to summarize, as you said, like, well, that's just systems management, right? There is no yeah. like systems management, a systems management thing that manages one platform is not a systems management thing, right? It's just like it's just like the OEM management stuff that ships with your box that you load up when you want to update the BIOS or whatever, right? So like unless you're managing like five plus N types of systems or things in your system management thing, it's not really like it kind of misses the point of it. So yes, in that sense, if you were to say multi-cloud management, that's a whole other thing. Uh and maybe the fact that people have to point that out just goes to the state of uh, multi-cloud management. That you have to point out that it's multi-cloud. But sure, that seems like a real thing. Of course, you want to manage multiple clouds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I well, think that's. I, I, Go ahead, Matt. Ray. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was working with a, a customer recently, uh, a new customer, and they are all in on AWS. But um, when we were, you know kind of scoping out things architecturally they had this big you know tome that they handed us and they're like this is our platform relocation project and they said you know <clears throat> we love aws aws puts them on stages places but they said you know everything we put in has an escape plan and it was the first time i'd actually just seen it you know they're like we're not doing multi-cloud we just know that you know given a month we need to be able to change platforms and i'm like okay you know, so, you know, they, they wanted a lot of planning. We actually didn't have to implement it, which was fine. But <laughs> but at least they wanted to, you know, give lip service to the idea that they might get off of this platform. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I do think that's like, you know, Corey Quinn, I think, came out pretty hard against multi-cloud. Like it doesn't kind of like it doesn't exist and people would never want it or it's way too expensive. And it's like, I think he makes some valid points. But I think what you, you kind of talk to is like when you really talk to some of these large companies, there's there's kind of this hesitation, right? To be, we're all in on just one, 
right? There's all, I mean, in your case, that sounded like pretty advanced that they're like, okay, we're going to figure out how to do it in a month. But it's just more like, there's always this like, well, we're going to do this one other project or something. There's always this other reason that another cloud provider is going to be used. And I think it's, sometimes I just think it's, it well, is you, kind of you that. You got a hedge. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a hedge. It's just like, it doesn't like, I, you know, you think you've made the right decision, but I want a little extra insurance. And I think in some ways, multi-cloud, especially when you're just talking about provisioning the basic infrastructure, infrastructure as a service is the ultimate hedge. It's just like, I know if I have, have to, it's there. And even if I'm paying more, if I'm the CIO of this company and I'm caught in a weird situation, I know I have an out. And um, I don't know, it just, it's sometimes it's hard to even like in a sales cycle to like, for people to come out and say it because they don't really verbalize it that way, but that's just kind of the feeling I get. Mm. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's, in the case of this bank, it's like, I don't even think they're that serious about it, but, you know, come contract negotiation time, yeah, they're super serious about it. You know, they go to the AWS and they say, look, we have this plan in place. We know we can get off of your platform, you know, in a month and, uh, you know, you can't raise your prices. <laughs> um, or, you know, we, we expect concessions and, you know, you throw in some PS and training and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's if you are a large enterprise, it makes a lot of sense just to have one or two pilot pr- projects and to have like, you know, a a document that you can show your vendor that, you know, you don't own us. <laughs> exactly. So combative. That's a great relationship. Uh, they're all that way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Pricing, always a problem. You know, that's fundamentally the flaw with so much technology is people want money for it. it. Really causes a lot of problems and inefficiencies. Super annoying. Well, there's still even more links you can check out if you go check out the show notes. This is episode 253. So as always, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 253 and check them out. Uh, you know, there are a couple of Kubernetes links. If you're interested in that, I just want to get that out there. If, if, if you want to uh, check <laughs> well, it out, now we, it's we, not what we have to we're, talk. We're about in week 47 of of Google's conference, so you know there's always uh, some Kubernetes stuff. That's true. That's true. And you know, uh, speaking of next week, on September 2nd and 3rd, finally, it's the Spring One conference, my finally. company's conference. It's going to be live. Well, I don't know. Some of them might re-record it. It's going to be online and uh, totally free. Now, it starts pretty late in the day for me, but I'm going to be emceeing the uh, the Agile Leadership track, the first half of it on the second. Uh, I also have a panel that I'm doing with some customers, all about how you manage managers, uh, which I think will be fun. We've got, some good, uh, we've got someone from uh, Tesco there who I interviewed, Yana, and then we, got, uh, we also have someone from uh, Comcast, and then we have someone who, uh, uh, this this other person who's worked at various other companies, all of them in managers, should be a good panel. You should tune into that. You can also just attend other stuff in the conference. Uh, but, you know, I won't belabor it uh, too much there. We also have, uh, there's another conference coming up, the uh, DevOps World 2020 by CloudBees. That always uh, has some interesting stuff there. All sorts of conferences going on if you want to check those out. And uh, then, of course, there'll be week 48 of the uh never-ending Google conference, uh, which, which <laughs> should be enjoyable. I, I, yeah, that's right. Do we have any uh, software-defined talk bureaucracy uh, in the bureaucratic corner to go over or <laughs> feedback, Brandon? Yeah, we absolutely do. We uh, sent stickers to Sean in Indiana, so we appreciate him listening to the show. Uh, if you'd like stickers, just send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world and also haven't had one in a while but i thought i'd uh shout it out uh i've got a little action in the uh, software defined talk slack job uh, channel so if you're looking for a job eric wants you to come work on monitoring and why not work on monitoring uh he's they've got a rec open there at digital ocean so i think it's uh it's all the latest monitoring hotness prometheus and all all kinds of greatness there so if you're interested in that um, go find Eric in the Slack, and he can give you all the details about that job. That's right. Just remember, dashboards are pretty, but if there's no data for the dashboard, you got a shitboard. So you got that's. You think that's going to work? As a uh, could I IPO off of that? No, I mean, also if you're applying for the job, don't like don't, let's the, we're workshopping that. Probably don't go to Eric with that. Probably, probably like yeah. don't go to Eric with that. 
Hey, I'm really excited to work about Prometheus. You know, something like that. I'm but, saying you gotta you gotta gather the data. <laughs> you need help monitoring get the to data. gather that data in. Right. All right, all right. That one didn't work out very well. We're gonna do uh it's no no good. No good. Uh all right. Well, uh this week, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend? Oh, I've been saving up this recommendation. Uh it's an anti recommendation. Um uh-huh. we you know, we're we're in Australia. We we miss our Tex Mex and uh there was um, my wife was at the grocery store at the little international grocery store we we like to frequent, uh, and saw that they had nacho cheese, and we thought, how bad could that be? Um, awfully bad, <laughs> awfully bad. Like, don't finish your chip, bad. Um, Oof. Oof. So we, uh, you know, we're we're gonna name names here. Um, this was. San Miguel nacho cheese, and if you if you Google images, there are a couple different Im- covers for this cheese. Um, the last ingredient of about a dozen ingredients was milk product. <laughs> oh, I love a milk product. <laughs> and I'm guessing the first 37 ingredients were like acid chemicals that taste like uh, it was horrid. Yeah. Um, it. it I mean, the, the nacho cheese at, at movie theaters was better. You know, this was just, oh, it was so bad. Um, I, I, so like, I, I like the, the link you have. Just fantastic when used as dip for nacho chips. <laughs> well, that's a lie. Don't eat it. Um, <laughs> do, do not eat it. Uh, so that's my, my anti-recommendation. My, my positive recommendation is uh, there's a, a Netflix series called Connected. And it's hosted by uh, Latif Nasser from uh, uh, Radiolab. And there was an episode called Digits about Benford's Law. And it is awesome. Um, my kids got into it. And to the point where, like, we started talking about Benford's Law and, uh, you know, the scoring for my son's basketball league. He's 10. Um, mm. So it's, it's, uh, it was quite good. Um, but... You know, if uh, your kids are younger than mine, so, you know, probably not going to hit them up with the Benford's Law unless they care about, you know, distribution of numbers. Uh, But anyway, uh, I'm sure the other episodes will be pretty good, too. So uh, that's my recommendation is connect. You know, this reminds me of a a, I realized I've got a long con going on my kids, which is to say (laughs) parenthood. And they want me to tell them stories to and from school every day. So I just make up these stories to tell them when I'm like not in a terrible mood. And I've. I've been telling them stories about a, a sister and a brother, and I'm trying to, like, weave in. I wouldn't call them morals. I would just call, like, stop making dad's life hardisms in there. And one I told recently was about how the kids went on a flavor adventure and tried new foods, and uh, they found it enjoyable. And so I'm going to see if, like, over time I can kind of get these ideas. Because, you know, the storytelling is a tried and true way to change people's minds. So I, uh, I had the kids try a green curry, which my son already likes. They tried a, a paella and something else I forgot. And the paella wasn't very good in the story. But the other things were good. But the moral was you should just try new foods. Mm. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. I'm not sure if it's, if it's going to work. And also, there is no video game playing there in, in, in the stories. There are phones, though. And my son, when I said they got their phones, he was like, they have phones? And so I think that <laughs> might have been a uh, tactical error. But, but we'll see. I'll have to report back in in a year if, the, if it's worked or not. Uh, well, so on that note of long cons, Brandon, what's your recommendation this week? Well, I mean, I feel like this season of Yellowstone, so Yellowstone season three, it's, it was kind of a long con. I don't know if I really can recommend most of the, the season, but the season three finale, if for some reason you watched the entire Yellowstone season like I did, uh, the season three finale actually paid off. Now, the first nine episodes actually weren't that good. I don't even know if you should do it, but I'll just say this. If you're pushing through, it was worth it. Rarely does a finale sort of pay off in like a, a spectacular mm-hmm. way. So, um, so again, because maybe there isn't that much out there on Netflix, maybe you're running out of stuff to watch. Like you can kind of watch the first, whatever, nine episodes, like kind of like with your phone in your hand and not pay attention and just kind of have a, a general sense of what's happening, but then pay attention in the season, the actual finale because that's really enjoyable. So it's sort of a, a love-hate uh, relationship with Yellowstone. But if you make it through, enjoy the finale episode. I thought it was very good. I see. I see. So don't switch over between clouds when the finale comes over. No, Just pay watch attention. That Do that during the yeah. first nine episodes. 
<laughs> well, my recommendation this week, as I uh, kind of uh, preluded, alluded to, is I, I've been trying out the old Microsoft OneNote, and uh, I think it might be all right. Here's, here's the situation. I've gone through lots of note-taking things. I got Evernote. I got flat files. I got good notes. I got day one. I got whatever. Whatever you want, I've tried it. And they all they all seem to be lacking a full integration. But in OneNote, you can both write with your Apple Pencil, and you can also easily put text and images in there. And I've tried Notability, and it's just kind of weird. But then also, it's just like... Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I use another thing called Rome Research, which is which is basically like a personal wiki that has some interesting thoughts about uh, how to do things. Like for example, in this Rome Research thing, you can you it treats paragraphs or bullet points as the primary items. So you can link between them and put like, as we would say in the Linux world, hard and soft references to them. It's got some interesting stuff. But you can basically do that in uh, OneNote as well, and you can tell that. Uh, the people who make it have put a lot of thought into it. Now, it has a lot of flaws, and the pencil drawing is not as good as GoodNotes is. But uh, I really like GoodNotes, but it's really hard to just enter text into it. So I have a lot of hope for this OneNote thing. I think I think it might be finally the answer to all of my problems. And probably, if I end up using it, it will be another reason, yet another reason for me to buy a terabyte of online cloud storage from another fucking vendor. I must have like 50 terabytes in the cloud that I could be. Is there some sort of uh, Bitcoining I can do with all those terabytes across iCloud and Dropbox and Google Drive? Anything? And it sounds like you need a storage manager. Maybe we can we can hook you up. We can find uh, one of the oh, vendors to jump in. Storage well, you need a multi-cloud Very storage manager. Well, you need a multi-cloud storage manager that unifies it all into just one giant blob. And then uh, you yes. just can just throw stuff up there and it magically backs it all up. Plus, that's what you plus I think Google that's Snowflake's business Flickr. model. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Sounds like we need to reverse ourselves. Snowflake, you're back, baby. We're all in on you. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Where, where's a jungle disk when I need it? That's, that, that oh, that's nice. a rack space, isn't it? Or no, yeah, yeah from long, I don't long know. ago. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 253. We've got a Slack channel that's always uh, great. Very good uh, stuff. Uh, and and nowadays we have uh, we've been streaming on a Twitch channel. If you go to twitch.tv slash SDT podcast, I also found out that you can go to twitch.com slash SDT podcast. So I don't know what t- TV is. If that country goes under, they still got the uh, the calm country. Uh, so that'll be cool. Uh, and with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>